the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Wednesday. Good to be with you. Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can join the conversation there. Send me an email, Scott at kkla.com. We've had a lot of conversation in the news and on our show about what to do in the schools. The government of Texas has an interesting solution that they are just passed. Meanwhile, the Texas House just gave final approval to a bill that would allow chaplains without state certification to work inside public schools. It's just one in, series, one in a series of religious measures that critics say raises concerns about the separation of church and state. But supporters of these bills say public schools are in disarray and could benefit from a spiritual presence. You know, at what point do we resort to God? You know, in the sense of the troubles that we have in our institutions and other places, you know, at what point do we say, "Eh, maybe we ought to give people at least the option of having somebody to go to? Lawmakers last week passing a bill allowing chaplains without state certification to counsel students in public schools. The supporters say the rise in shootings and other crimes make it necessary to seek help from a higher calling. The violence we're seeing all over, especially in schools, I think we need every bit of help we can get. And certainly we need to address the spiritual nature of some of the conflicts that we're seeing right now to encourage students to believe in a God to whom we're accountable. That was Pastor Robert Jeffers uh, on television in Texas talking about this. What do you think about this? Should we have chaplains in our schools? 888-528-2557. Is this a good idea to bring chaplains in? Most schools have counselors, uh, people that you can go talk to as a student. What about chaplains? Chaplains, of course, are religious. They wouldn't necessarily be restricted to Christians. You know, I think that the way things would work is that they could be from any faith out there, but the chaplains do have to be people who are trained. There are organizations that train chaplains. Usually they are seminary qualified, they're background checked, and a whole lot of things. But you could have a chaplain that is Muslim or a chaplain that is practices Judaism or Buddhism or other faiths. But I think most of the time, in our country anyway, you're going to have Christian chaplains or at least people within the, the sphere of you know people who call themselves Christians. Is this a solution that is is going to work? Texas has passed the bill and will allow this. I thought about this. You know, it's interesting to me that we can't have chaplains in school or that we don't in most places. Actually, we can. It's not something that is illegal. And what I find really interesting is that throughout the government, there are lots of chaplains that are hired and paid by the United States government, by state governments and local governments. You know, there are chaplains in the United States House and the United States Senate. 
official chaplains. The, it's the official person you would go to to talk to them about spiritual problems, and they give the prayers and the routines. They're not always, uh, you know, solid, I would say, in a doctrinal sense. In fact, uh, a few years ago, I was talking to a friend there about how to become a chaplain. I wasn't interested in it. I was, he thought I was though. I said, how do I become a chaplain? I just made a joke about it. I want to become a chaplain. How do I do it? Cause they had, they fired a chaplain and then they unfired him in some political move several years ago in the house. And he wrote me back in a very serious, I thought he thought, I thought he knew I was joking, but he wrote me back a very serious thing. And his comment was pretty cynical. He said, you know, you would never get hired as a chaplain because you already believe in, you don't, you uh, actually believe in God is what he said. And that's what he felt about the chaplains in the U.S. government, in the House and Senate. That's what he was referring to. But there are chaplains, and a lot of them are very, very good chaplains all over the place in our government. Military has chaplains. Okay, Department of, of Defense hires a lot of chaplains. I know a lot of chaplains. Some of them are really good. And they're very much about their faith. They're very much about evangelism. There's, you know, when you're working for the government and you're a chaplain, you know, technically you're not supposed to proselytize, you know, but when people come to you, you're going to share from your perspective spiritually. Uh, there's really no way around sharing your faith. And I think everybody's got some agenda in leading people to your faith if you really mean it with your faith. And that would make sense, right? If you if you are not just Christian, but any religion, if you really believe what you say you believe, then you have some notion of wanting people to come to that faith right? So that's going to be a part of it. There are chaplains in the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marines, and I assume there's Space Force chaplain somewhere. Is anybody a Space Force chaplain? I mean, there must be a Space, <laughs> there must be a space Force chaplain. I wonder if there will be the first chaplain in space, that you will be deployed to the moon or something eventually as a chaplain. I know many of you have been deployed to places you thought were the moon or that might as well be the moon. I know many of you have spent uh, many months in some places like that. But I'll bet that's coming. Um, in uh, the Space Force, the Bureau of Prisons and the Federal Bureau of Prisons, they have chaplains. There are chaplains in prisons. You ever do prison ministry? You ever go and uh, work with a chaplain in the prisons? It's a great ministry. In fact, I follow a group on Instagram that is about prisoners coming to Christ, and it's fantastic. Great ministry. People getting baptized in jail, people getting uh, sharing their faith, reading their Bibles. Great, great ministry happens because of prison chaplains and uh, and because of um, other chaplains who, who work in the prisons. I know many of you are part of those types of ministries. Department of Veterans Affairs has chaplains, and the chaplains provide spiritual and emotional support to veterans. So even after you leave the ministry, there is access to chaplains. The FBI has chaplains. Federal Bureau of Investigation. They employ chaplains. Uh, for agents and staff. Lots of police agencies have chaplains. One of my best friends is a police chaplain, and it's a regular thing. And sometimes these these chaplains are hired actually by the agencies. Other times they are volunteers or they have, you know, there's a nonprofit that might support the chaplaincy uh, for different groups. A lot of police chaplaincies are like that, for example. Um, there are state government agencies that have cha uh, chaplains. Hospitals have chaplains. Even most uh, you know, you might expect that if it's a religious hospital, many of them are, but there's there's chaplains even at your regular, you know, secularly titled uh, hospital. And, you know, when you're dealing with death, so you're dealing with death with, you know, the, the military, you're dealing with death uh, all the time in hospitals and other things, spiritual questions are going to come up, right? You can't avoid that. I wonder how much pressure there is to avoid that. 
Should we put chaplains in schools? And that's kind of what I'm getting at is why aren't there chaplains in public schools? If we have chaplains in all these other government agencies, why are there not chaplains in public schools? We are seeing such a breakdown of our kids, a terrible, terrible breakdown of the families, of support, of emotional support. But spiritual thought is is removed so often from schools, but the same the same governments that remove it from schools don't in their own agencies. Police and fire departments, correctional facilities, military, veterans organizations, hospices. There's a lot of places that have chaplains. Do you think we should have chaplains in public schools? What would that look like? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 is the number. If you just joined us for the Pastor Scott Show, I'm Pastor Scott. And the state of Texas just passed a bill allowing for uh, chaplains to be in the public schools. Of course, there was some debate about that. Texas legislators are also considering a bill requiring the Ten Commandments be displayed in every school classroom. We're all opposed to this bill ultimately because of serious concerns about freedom of conscience and religious liberty. Now, more than 40 years ago, the Supreme Court ruled against a similar law, Stone versus Graham, in the state of Kentucky, saying it violated the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. That wasn't exactly the clip I was going to play. I'll play another one. But that is another thing happening in Texas, that the Ten Commandments are going to be required by law. This will be challenged, I think, quickly in the courts. But it will be the chaplains will be required or the uh, Ten Commandments will be required by law to be in every classroom. And the idea is that the law actually says and the print has to be big enough so that a person can read it from anywhere in the classroom. So that was kind of funny because you could probably go get one of those, you know, pinhead Ten uh, Commandments and just sit it somewhere in a corner just to uh, to keep the law going if you wanted to. Somebody would do that, of course. Uh, Anyway, Texas is hiring chaplains for their schools. Public and charter schools across the state of Texas will be able to have counselors or have chaplains work alongside counselors or work in place of counselors. And every single school board across the state must vote yes or no to having a chaplain. And these chaplains must pass background uh, checks. They also must meet Department of Defense standards, which means they have to be endorsed by a religious organization and have specific education. School counselors in Texas must have a master's degree, two years of teaching in the classroom, and pass a counselor certification exam. Typically, these chaplains have to have a seminary degree, a master's degree, an MDiv, or similar type of degree, basically a pastor's degree, because you're being a pastor. So what's happening is they're not just hiring, you know, some local person who says that they're spiritual or that they, you know, uh, go to church as the school chaplain to the public school down the street. These would be trained people. These would be people who have certain certifications. These would be people who are known. And I think that's important. And that's similar with the, the counselors. Do you think this is going to work? Do you think this is something that will spread? I think we're a long way from it in California, but our schools are a mess. The kids are a mess. There is something else I think that we recognize that needs to happen. This debate has been going on for a while to bring chaplains back into schools. I find it curious that we have chaplains in all of these other government organizations, but not for the kids. Why do we do that for grownups? Why is that okay for the grownups, but it's not okay for schools? Or maybe we don't think that. Maybe everybody's saying, yeah, they should be in schools. There's definitely some debate on this subject. I think we need to give our school districts every tool that we can in the toolbox with all that we've been experiencing with uh, mental health issues and catastrophes and crises. You are a champion for parental rights, so I'm just curious why 
requiring parental consent before a student can meet with a chaplain is not acceptable to you in this legislation? Well, we, we currently do not require parental consent for them to meet with school counselors. And that's another issue on that is happening. So parental consent is not required for kids to meet with a chaplain. And the pushback is, well, there's no parental consent either for kids to meet with a counselor. I think there's good reasons for that, but there's some bad reasons for that, too. You know, that's where we're getting into indoctrination and stuff. What's the difference? You know, is there a a difference or should we allow more than one perspective? I think you've got to have a spiritual perspective. And I think, obviously, as a Christian, I think that this is the right way, that kids are coming to their school counselors now, and often their teachers or other people with major trouble that I believe is spiritual. And I think part of our problem is that we don't address those things as spiritual, and we are pushing it out. I mean, some of you in the military have told me about how there's a progression of in the chaplaincy to to start to remove specific tenets of of faith. And I'll never forget this conversation I had about the difference between the problem being that the military will deal with people with PTSD and other issues, and particularly issues that chaplains face when they're dealing with uh, soldiers who come back from the battlefield, who have seen things or done things that human beings really shouldn't have to do, that are terrible things to witness or be a part of. The hardest counseling I say I've ever done is from people who came back from Iraq or Afghanistan with tremendous wounds, not physical wounds, but the mental wounds because of what they participated in and what they saw. It happens all the time. The military will call it a moral injury, which I think is a good term. I think moral injury is, is you know, a right term for that kind of thing, when you experience something, police officers deal with this, firefighters deal with this, first responders, you deal with kind of moral injuries because you're dealing often with the worst of humanity or sometimes you're participating because you're participating in war or you're an officer and even if you're completely justified and you have to draw your weapon and shoot, those things are hard to deal with emotionally. Those things are tough. So that's why there's chaplains for the military and for um, police and other organizations but here's the thing. You call it a, a moral injury, but what's happening is the chaplains are are having less of an ability to actually give a spiritual solution, you see. So often I've got a moral injury. I've got PTSD or I'm of some kind or I'm, I'm struggling emotionally because of what I have seen or been a part of, and the solution is a pill. The solution is therapy of some kind, not necessarily that that's bad or that you can't do all of the above. But some chaplains and some government agencies are being restricted from actually talking about God and restricted from giving the peace that would come from that relationship with Christ. Uh, not always, and, and a lot of chaplains ignore it, you know, that, that sort of pressure. But it is a, it's a weird time. Do kids need this? You know, do kids need this kind of chaplaincy in the schools? Is this a good idea? What do you think? Give me a call, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. When the article, in the uh, conversation of the separation of church and state and the establishment clauses, you know, for the Constitution, the, the Supreme Court has usually upheld the idea of having chaplains, even in the federal government. The question of having a paid chaplain, and we're talking about paid staff, 
okay, your taxpayer dollars paying for these chaplains, these pastors, if you will. And the establishment clause in the Constitution prohibits, prohibits the government from establishing an official religion or favoring one religion over another. However, the Supreme Court, in many cases of the years, has generally allowed for the employment of chaplains. In our country, they're usually Christians. They could be other faiths, but they're usually Christians. And the court has held that employment by chaplains by the government has to serve, this is what they say, they say it has to serve a secular purpose and not advance or promote any particular religion. I don't think that's practically possible, however. I mean, is, I suppose that there are spiritual teachings that are secular, right? That they're not really directed toward religion or God, but they are, um, you know, secular in that sense. I'm not sure that that's what a, a person is looking for with a chaplain necessarily. Most chaplains are definitely religious. Most chaplains have a religion. Most chaplains are Christian. And most chaplains, I would say, to certain degrees and various degrees are evangelical. They will share their faith uh, with people who come to see them. And they'll follow some rules and maybe they won't share it. Because if a, if a person says, well, what do you believe? Well, then that opens up the door, right, to different things. What do you think? Should we put chaplains in schools? We put them in the military. We put them in government agencies. In fact, the government, should we have them in schools? 888-528-2557. Uh, let's go to Ari in Los Angeles. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hello, how you doing? I'm good. How are you today? Hi, Pastor Scott. I'm good. I've been uh, listening to your uh, show for some time, so it's my very first time on uh, air, I guess. So. All right. Well, we'll yeah, give you we'll uh, give name... you the special trumpets for your first call. All right. This is Ari, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Give. I'm kind of like the end of like I'm like the first generation of millennial. You know, like end of. Gen X slash mm-hmm. millennial age, and uh, I kind of grew up on prior to internet, but then came into the era of the social media, and then I have a son that's, you know, Gen Z age, you know, he's almost yeah. 16 years old, and these kids, they really need something, and there is a uh, social media, especially like Instagram and TikTok and all that. It's like a whole nother world. And there's such a disconnect between the older generation and the younger generation. And honestly, um, any way you could bring uh, chaplains, you know, you could bring into schools, it'll provide opportunity for them to share faith to these kids and God will make a way for these things. I truly believe that. And I really think it needs to happen, honestly. I know I know in California it's just it's like a, a moot point here. Like it's it's so far gone here. But in Texas, um I'm glad that they're really considering this and really trying to push this because I feel like with the young generation there is a hunger and there's a fire going on that that there's there's a new generation of of kids, young kids and and um young adults that are coming to Christ and, and so, with such a passion and fire. And I believe that you do need to bring some sort of like, you know, like a chaplain, uh, a, uh, a minister alongside counselors. I absolutely agree with that. Do you feel like your son, you said your son is 16. 
Um, yes. You know, what would he say about that? Would he just, I mean, he's 16, maybe he just shrug his shoulders and, you know, he probably has thoughts, um, you know. Well, you know, uh, I've gone through a little bit of issues with my own son. And, uh, you know, I've gone through some stuff and, uh, you know, and, and he, you know, he has to see counseling on the regular at school anyway. And if they ever had that, I think that'd be great because sometimes just hearing it from parents all the time, just your kids don't want to listen, mm. you know, at that age. They don't yep. want to listen to parents. And maybe if they get an outside perspective, someone from outside the box, someone that 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 could bring that perspective and maybe the kids will will align themselves more and, and they'll get a chance to you know open up and 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 maybe there'll be great changes because I think, of that happening i think you're you're right to and you're you're right and even as a dad it's hard to acknowledge but there are people that our kids at a certain age or might go to before they come to us Right. And they yes. might have reasons that are good yeah. or reasons that are bad, you know, in different situations. But there's got to be somebody to talk to who's going to give them good advice. Uh, exactly. Right. Exactly. Because because um, uh, there's someone I heard saying some, you know, that that these kids are listening to their own friends. And instead of being their friends, they become cellmates, like because they maybe may have done something, you know, together and they, mm. they find a bonding but it keeps them just stuck in that yeah box right and if you have someone that can you know provide that opportunity kids come to talk to they can get outside of their little box and you know see much bigger things you know their maybe their eyes will open up and i really believe that you know that's really needed honest yeah. to god it is well it I appreciate your call, Ari. Thanks for calling and listening to the Pastor Scott Show. And, uh, thank um, you so much. Yeah, you know, thank you very much. You know, I think Ari is right. We need to do this. California is probably a long way away because we're so against religion in general. But, you know, I would argue that the indoctrination that's happening in schools with different agendas, it is religion. It's very spiritual because it's religion in the sense that you're rejecting the philosophical or religious thought in and putting something else in its place. And when you do that, one way or another, it's belief. And if your belief in how a person ought to live or how a person ought to make decisions is guided by that belief that you're given, it's it's religion in a sense, even if it's not written down. And often that when we try to come up with it on our, on our own, you know, we come up with a whole lot of rules and a whole lot of things that we say morally that if there's no higher word behind it, it causes destruction and there's no outlet. How have chaplains done? What are some of the studies saying in some schools that have had chaplains? How has it made an effect? I'll tell you that when we come back. This is the Pastor Scott Show. We'd love to know what you think about this. The number is 888-528-2557, And I will be back as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Now, the author of the bill stressed that it will be up to each individual school board to decide on whether to hire or who they want to hire as a chaplain. Now, some representatives expressed some concerns about this potentially endorsing one single religion and wanted the bill to require 
parental consent, as well as an option for students to request a chaplain of their specific faith. But those changes didn't make it in the bill. That is a report on the Texas government, state government of Texas, allowing for chaplains to be hired by schools. So the way it would work in public schools is that each school board in each district could vote yes or no or vote to have a chaplain. And they can have a chaplain or not have a chaplain, or they can have a chaplain and a school counselor, or they can have just a chaplain and no school counselor. Uh, So each district will be able to choose that. And I imagine the districts will make a lot of different decisions. I'm sure there'll be different decisions in rural areas than in the city. How does it work? This is the Pastor Scott Show. We're talking about chaplaincies in schools, and should we have religious chaplains in our public schools? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I pointed out we have religious chaplains in government entities all over the place. The Congress has it. The United States House and Senate both have it. The uh, There's chaplains in the Department of Defense, in the military. There's chaplains in hospitals, there's chaplains and sports teams. Dodgers, by the way, just beat the Twins nine to seven. There are nine to three, seven to three, seven to three. Sports teams have chaplains. We have chaplains in uh, multiple different types of organizations, including government organizations. Why are they not in schools? Why is it that spiritual needs of kids are not considered? Uh, they should be considered. And does it work? There's an organization called the National School Chaplain Association, and they work to help get uh, chaplains in schools. It's not illegal to have chaplains in schools, at least for the moment, but most schools across the country don't, but some do. And in the school districts that have hired chaplains, they have discovered, according to this group, that there's a lower staff turnover rate, increased job satisfaction. This is with teachers. All right. Decrease in tardiness with students, higher employee productivity, less money spent on employee training and lower absenteeism. And the way they get to that is this. If the school safety and this is probably a reason why Texas is moving forward, because they've had a couple of these uh, bad school shootings. And, you know, you have to address what's going on with the kids. You have to address the depression and the sadness and the confusion that so many kids are going through. In fact, something that is happening nationally is a spike in childhood depression and even death. It's significant. It's growing uh, very quickly for the first time in about 50 years. You know, there was a lot more childhood death before some of the medical advances and other things happened. And... So you've seen childhood deaths go down over the past 50 years, but it's now going back up. And the reason is suicide. The reason is other violence. The reason is other health things related to kids. And often it's emotional. Often, and I would say it's spiritual, what is going on. And when you have a chaplain in school, you have the better opportunity for intervention. You have something more than just, you know, a a school counselor who you know, is going to give you some kind of, um, you know, maybe good advice or maybe not good advice, but not spiritual advice, typically. And you need to have spiritual advice. And our kids need that. In fact, you know, I've been a pastor for so many years, and I'll tell you what, the youth group is, if you serve in a youth group or you're a youth pastor or you're a volunteer for your youth group, you hear all of it. You kind of know what issues are coming uh, in the future based on what the kids are going through. And they're going through a lot. And if your youth group is a healthy place, then you have kids coming who are sharing stuff to you that they're not going to share with their parents typically. 
and you if you are aware you may actually have you know the conversation that's the life-saving conversation and hopefully you bring it to the parent's attention sometimes the sad part is the parent doesn't care uh, but most of the time the parent does care most of the time you know kids are pretty good at hiding things from their parents and the things that they're going through and i think something that we're seeing in our our culture today it's hard for hard for even me as a parent i have to ask a lot of questions and do a lot of research is what kids are experiencing today because of social media because of the different kinds of of drugs and pornography and other stuff that is available everywhere what they're experiencing emotionally was not something that almost anybody experienced when we were younger even not too long ago our last caller was he said he was what do you say millennial gen x right on that line and his kid is gen z and there is so much difference between those two generations in their experience, in what they got into or could get into even as a kid. It's completely different, and most of it is is not healthy. I think the chaplaincy is a good idea. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. National School Chaplain Association says that when you hire chaplains, it also helps with teacher retention. Teacher resignations, according to the uh, NEA, are at an all-time high. That a, a poll recently that that union, teachers union, did said 90% of their members feel that burnout is a serious problem and 67% a very serious problem. And I watch a lot of people who I know who are teachers who have barely made it three or four years and they're out. That's a big problem. And a lot of it has to do, you know, sometimes it's pay you know, I understand that, but especially when it's your first job and stuff, the pay's not too bad. Uh, you know, there's some opportunities elsewhere. But if you're passionate about teaching, it's something you want to do, uh, it's a great job. It's something that's a very meaningful thing. Sometimes, you know, what I hear, though, from a lot of teachers is that it's incredibly hard hours. There's not appreciation. There is a agenda that they have to follow that they don't really want to follow often you know, political agendas that take away from learning. And the kids are often violent, and they're often not supported by parents. You know, my parents, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. If if my teacher ever called my parents and said that I had a behavioral problem or or my grades were not what they should be or something like that, my parents would definitely be on the teacher's side, right, when I grew up. there, It would be, you know, if if my teacher was wrong, and I knew it, and I would have had to, to convince my parents of that. That would have taken some convincing, right? And my parents would love me. I had great parents. I'm very blessed with having great parents. And uh, they're flying out here today, actually. But I'll tell you what, they, they would believe that teacher if the teacher were to ever call. Um, and I can't think of a, of a moment. I probably – my, my mother got called in for a conference uh, because my handwriting was so bad. <laughs> And, you know, I was like seventh or eighth grade. You know, what uh, what's she going to do at that point? You know, uh, I think she said, well, my husband's, uh, meaning my dad, his uh, handwriting is also terrible. So what are you going to do? Uh, you know, I think that uh, today they don't get that support. What this is saying is that if you have a chaplain there, that there's somebody for the teacher to go talk to about some of these things. And sometimes that chaplain can even get involved to help parents and to help kids. And what the National School Chaplain Association claims is that you get a, the school district gets a $9 return for every dollar invested in chaplaincy programs because of teacher retention, because you don't have to do training, because you don't have to do all the onboarding and all the serious costs of all of that.
that it mitigates the educator burnout and it keeps teachers in classrooms. And that is a good thing. And that's because you have a chaplain on the campus available, not just for students, but even for teachers and staff. 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. Steve in Los Angeles, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, how you doing? I'm good, Thanks Steve. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Hey, I think it's an outstanding idea, and it should have been done years ago. Um, when I went to school uh, in the area, they had a, a once-a-week, uh, it was called Religious Release, and they would let us out and give us a little spiritual uh, uh, information uh, for about an hour. And we, it was at somebody's house nearby the school, and... Um, you know, it, it, it's good. I mean, the kids need some kind of uh, environment where they can, uh, you know, get some spiritual because we're, we're under spiritual warfare right now. And, um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. And, and the scary part is there's kids now as we speak that are, that are ready to, you know, go off on somebody. And that, that's a scary part. But. It's a scary thing. And most of those things that happen are preventable, meaning that when, you know, whenever we have these terrible events, Usually there is evidence for a while that this person was having trouble, right? That you come back and you realize it's not like, oh, everybody's surprised. It's like, no, there are – most people are surprised, but some people aren't. Some people are like, no, we saw this coming. Uh, And and another thing is the the bullying. Uh, I think every one of these these, uh, people or kids, they've been bullied somewhere along the line. I mean, that's a common denominator, and – you know, they need somebody that loves them the way they are. They don't have to be anybody uh, to do do this or do that a certain way. Just be yourself. Yeah, it's you know, a be yourself and not. It's a part of what a good spiritual counselor, a Christian counselor, can do. You get an identity in Christ. You have that option. Exactly. Right, it's and you not what other people think of you. That's, yeah. You know that doesn't. I mean, it means a little bit, but it it just doesn't mean much. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Steve. So, yeah, that's my comment. All right, Steve, thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show. Um, Cindy in Studio City, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Cindy, you there? Um, Go ahead. Yes. Um, thank you so much for this amazing topic. Um, uh, having a, a child, um, my second child had autism and didn't speak for a while. And um, there's something that a lot of people aren't aware of, that public schools, they do very, um, they do really well with special needs children. Um, There's all these supports that you can get if you do have the right attorney to understand to help you get them. Um, But one of the things they do cover is doing psychology um, and having friends that are psychologists or, or knowing they write a very quick report. I've, I've had friends um, going through things, and they put their children um, with school psychologists, and it wasn't really helpful. Um, mm-hmm. So to have um, to have this happen is an amazing breakthrough. Um, and um, I also want to say, on a personal level, one time having. Um, being a new mother, my parents were gone, even though I was raised religious. Uh, my husband and I thought it might be good to handle all these new pressures that other parents didn't seem to have with special needs children, that um, 
so we tried some couple counseling and we were moving farther apart from each other. We went and did Christian counseling and then spoke with our priest. In one hour, we were back on track and fine. Hmm. Yeah, you know... I got to I got to go to a break Cindy. I appreciate your call on that. And you know, I think what you're recognizing is that when you have a chaplain and that you have that option. I'm not even saying don't have the other option, but you've got the option of a chaplain. You've got somebody who can be personal and who can see into the real issues that are going on. And uh not just exactly. some yeah. It matters it matters quite a bit. Um, Cindy, thanks for calling. And that's not to say there aren't some school counselors out there who have that ability. Some of you are Christian school counselors. I know a school counselor who's Christian and I think does a really good job with all of this, but she doesn't have the ability to be a chaplain. She doesn't really have the ability to have the spiritual conversation or to bring it up uh, when she knows that's the issue. And that's something that a chaplain can do. i got to take a break, Donna. I see your call and others. This is the Pastor Scott Show. The number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. When we come back, we'll take your calls and we'll talk about other things that uh, schools are considering for classrooms and a religious nature as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Texas legislators are also considering a bill requiring the Ten Commandments be displayed in every school classroom. We're all opposed to this bill ultimately because of serious concerns about freedom of conscience and religious liberty. Now, more than 40 years ago, the Supreme Court ruled against a similar law, Stone v. Graham, in the state of Kentucky, saying it violated the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment. The state of Texas is uh, bringing forward a couple of different laws. One of them would put the Ten Commandments to be visible in all public school classrooms. That one's going to have some trouble in court because the courts have uh, not always been favorable about that kind of thing. However, the courts have supported the idea of having school chaplains in the school, paid chaplains at the school. And what do you think about that? We've been talking about that this hour, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Donna in Covina, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Scott, I hope you're having a blessed day today. I am, thank um, you, I Donna. Have, I have one comment, and then I'd like to get your opinion on something. I think it's a, a wonderful idea, um, and I agree with the previous call, or couple of previous callers, I guess, about the bullying, because I think that someone kids can go to if they don't want to go to their parents mm-hmm. or if they're afraid to. My one concern is that, like everything else, I think that um, if we do that, we're going to have a lot of problems from the left or from people who um, maybe want the chaplains to agree with their own faith. I'm assuming that the chaplain would be like Christian or believe in the God of the Bible. Right, And so my concern is, you know, with some of the other religions. And my question for you, and I'll get off the phone, but I, I kind of want your opinion on, I know that all of, that a lot of our forefathers, did, some of them, you know, most of them, I think, believed in God. Some of them didn't, or they were just theists. They both believed some God out there. But my question is, when they put in freedom of religion, it was, it's my belief that they were thinking about freedom of religion in terms of the God of the Bible. In other words, you could be a Lutheran or a Methodist or an Anglican. I never thought that they intended to say, oh, you can believe in, you know, we will let you believe in Allah or in Hinduism or 
whatever, because I know some of them felt that they were infidels. So I just want to get your comment on that, and I'll get off the phone. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. All right. Thank you, Donna. I appreciate your call and for calling the Pastor Scott Show. You know, with respect to the chaplains, you know, it's a, it's going to be what will happen in Texas. I think this will happen. Some chaplains will be hired of different faiths. Most chaplains are Christian, but uh, most of the major religions actually have chaplain training programs, okay? So the chaplains that would be hired in schools, uh, have they can't just be, it's not just the pastor down the street or some youth guy, you know, somebody. It's got to be somebody who's been to school, who has credentials, who has a degree, who has passed chaplaincy programs. There are organizations that do that. Uh, most of them are Christian, but you also have... Um, uh, Jewish chaplaincy, you have uh, Muslim chaplains, you have Buddhist chaplains, Hindu chaplains, and even other religions, Sikh, and uh, some others uh, that are rare, but they exist. So you're right that if school districts invite chaplains to come, not all of them would be Christian. They, I would think, mostly would be, but uh, just by percentage, uh, not always. And that's a thing, you know, chaplains have had ways, you know, if you go to a hospital that has chaplains, for example, Often they will have a chaplain office where there are different faiths, sometimes different denominations. Uh, a good friend of mine was a Protestant chaplain at the at a Catholic hospital, so all of the chaplains were Catholic except for him. He was the he was the Protestant, and the way they worked it out was as if a patient you know asked for a particular branch of you know, the Christian faith, they could go to him if they were Protestant, otherwise their chaplains were Catholic. And they had people, they would ask if somebody said, uh, well, I'm I'm Islam, and you could bring in an imam, and there was a way to do that. I imagine a similar situation would happen in a school, but it's certainly true that your 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 kid might go to somebody who has a completely different faith. I mean, that's part of it. I think some of the, the argument for putting chaplains in the schools is the same as why we have chaplains in the government and why we have chaplains in the prisons and why we have chaplains. I know that some of your kids think that your school is a prison, and I get it. So let's see if it works. Uh, we have chaplains uh, all over the place because we know there's a need for spiritual care. And, you know, in getting to the founding fathers, when you get into their beliefs about religion, uh, it wasn't just Christianity. They They were mostly Christian, right? They came out of Puritan traditions in our country, but when you look at the history of why we granted in our Constitution freedom of religion, what's very interesting is almost all of the writings, it's very Christian, right? And it's writings to Almighty God, and it's Christian language. Some of them are specific to Jesus. Others were worked really hard to make it uh, kind of generic, but um, obviously, if you're reading it and comparing other religions, they were Christian writings, even the ones who didn't really believe necessarily in Christianity, their writings would would turn that way. But a lot of the reason that people came here was religious persecution in other countries. And the belief was that you should be able to have whatever religious belief you want without the government telling you what your religion is. And so the foundation of our country is that we didn't like the idea that a government could tell you what to believe religiously. And you will find uh, that was one of the failures of the the Puritans. There's a lot of good Puritan thinking, but there's a lot of bad Puritan thinking. And the bad Puritan thinking is that we can just force everybody to believe uh, in Christianity. And you can't. You can't because one day you have kids and they grow up and they say, you know what, mom and dad, I'm not buying this stuff. And then you can't say, well, I force you to. It doesn't work. 
so that was a lesson that was learned out of the Puritan experiment is that the government forcing your religion cannot work. And so even those founding fathers who were Christians, they recognized that Jesus doesn't force you to become a Christian. There you know, is the idea that you know, you're condemned if you don't come to Christ. That's Christian teaching, but you have that option, right? And to believe or not to believe. And I think that's something important in our country to protect the rights of people to believe what they want. I don't think you... Uh, are sacrificing what you believe to be true as a Christian. You know, my non-Christian friends, uh, I want them to become Christian. And if they're other faiths, I know it's hard. I know it's hard because to change your faith, you lose family. You know, you lose friendships. You lose a lot. It's very difficult to change your faith if it's entrenched into your family. Um, And I would want you to do that because I believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way to salvation. And so I want everybody to come to Jesus, but I acknowledge the difficulty of that. I also don't think I should have the the ability or the government should have the ability to force you, though, to come to Jesus because that's not belief. Does that make sense? And our, our founding fathers understood that. They understood that belief is not something that can be forced. You can convince people. You can, you know, you can help people come to an understanding of of what is true, but we shouldn't force people to have Christian beliefs or any other belief. And so freedom of religion, the Establishment Clause, it's about the government not forcing you to have any particular religion. Um, and that's why chaplains, by the way, are allowed, you know, that our government has mostly hired Christian chaplains. They could hire others. I imagine they would someday, some, some places they would. And certainly they're coming at it from a Christian standpoint. So I, I would say as a Christian, I don't force anybody to believe what I believe. I think they should believe it because I think it's right. I'm not saying that I'm right about every doctrinal issue, but I believe that I'm right that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world and that whoever believes in him would have everlasting life. And I believe that he rose again from the grave, proving that he defeated death and there's no victory in death and sin has been defeated and that it's not by my doing or anybody else's doing, but it's by the the work of Christ. And I believe everybody should come to that conclusion, but I don't think people should be forced to come to that conclusion. I don't think it's, it's not belief anyway. You know, belief is, is what is in your heart. It's who you are. And I think we can have a, a nation that supports people's right to have uh, the beliefs that they have and still also have some Christianity. We didn't get into the Ten Commandments. We'll get into that another time because I think it takes us into a deeper level of, you know, should we have that in the class? And if we have that in the class, should we have other, you know, writings from spiritual works in the classroom? It's a different conversation. We'll have that another time. But thank you for your call. This is the Pastor Scott Show. I'll be back with Hour 2 as the Wednesday edition continues. Stay tuned. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.